500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said i'm mad i must eradicate piracy injustice and cruelty and all my sons will follow me so evil doers will believe that this man cannot die G'day, this is X-Band The Fence Podcast. Our website is chroniclechamber.com and you can subscribe to our podcast via YouTube or through your favourite podcast apps. Do not forget to give us a rating on your podcast app and tell a mate about us. In this episode, we are following up on episode 101 where we discussed Robert Amon's book about the Phantom's political leaning. Now, 100-odd podcasts later we thought we will get robert on again and that is mainly because he has released a new book which is titled when the phantom becomes a swede yes the phantom is a is a swede i thought that might get a few people upset and is definitely worthy of a podcast so i thought let's get him on now as this book has not been released in english our swedish friend and correspondent Mikkel lick has read it cover to cover, and he will be heading up this podcast grilling Robert. Welcome, Mikkel. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for having me. Now, you've got the book next to you, I believe. Yeah, it's right here. Uh, full of post-it notes and, uh, and, 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 and stuff like that, is it? No, it's, it's all here. <laughs> now, um, I believe that book is signed. Is that right, Mikkel? Yeah, I got it signed at, uh, when I met Robert in uh, the comic fair in Stockholm. Awesome. Now, for our Patreon listeners, we are going to be giving away that signed book uh, for our Christmas giveaway. So um, in probably a couple of weeks' time, we will do a, a raffle for that, um, uh, the signed book by Robert. So thank you for that. Thank you for joining us, Mikel. I hope you enjoy tonight as well. I will. Now, <laughs> now as you have probably realised, I'm the only Aussie uh, in this conversation. Um, to be honest, Dan, uh, he's got some uh, exams and stuff that he has to prepare for with his kids but also with his um with his own work as well and Stephen, uh there's some uh there's a state of emergency where they are with some floods and stuff like that as well so he's quite busy last time we spoke to him it was actually sandbar sand bagging the comic book shop uh comic book shop and as we all know we need our comics in a time of this so he is doing that as well uh robert has has given us a list of phantom stories that he used and referenced in this book. Now we have included it in our show notes, and we've also even created a, an article before this post, uh, before this podcast has gone out, to let people know about what stories to read in preparation for today's uh, podcast. So hopefully you've had a chance to read those stories, or you'll have a bit of a look at the list, and then you'll uh, go from there as you listen to this as well. So, uh, Robert, how are you? And welcome. I'm fine, thank you. And uh, I'm very, uh, I feel very honored to be, uh, to be back on, uh, on the show. I'm an avid listener as well, so, so it feels great to be back. No, right. Well, it's good to hear that at least there's another person listening. It's always encouraging when we, 
when we find someone or someone says, oh, I listen to your podcast. It's like, yes. <laughs> so thank you and for all, that. And also you kept, you kept the conversation going since our last discussion because you've had people like Ulf Granberg on and Magnus Knutsson and so on and so forth. And uh, they've uh, in various ways uh, mentioned or... Uh, uh, discussed some of the issues that I that I uh, bring up in this book that you introduced earlier. Yeah, and since we've the other interesting thing since we've had you on back in episode one hundred and one is Fru have started publishing a lot of the stories that we talked about in that podcast as well. Uh, the slaves, the Dead River, uh, and the trade war the trade wall yeah um, yeah it did yeah so let's let's take the glory and say that they were all published because of our podcast back then so hopefully some of these other stories that we're going to be discussing and that are in our show notes uh free will also publish as well because they'll listen to it and go oh wow we have to publish those and a shout out and a hello to dudley and glenn who uh, are listening to this <laughs> Yeah, and if you are, uh, please contact me, and I'll help you out with contextualizing those those um, those episodes um, that you did uh, in the ones that you already published. I uh, saw so that my work was referenced, which which made, made me very happy. Awesome, awesome, um, and we'll have links to how how to contact you in the article and show notes as well. So now, as if you've been living under a rock, I'm Australian. I haven't read all the stories. I haven't read the book because, you know, I can't read Swedish. So Mikkel is going to be taking the reins and the lead of this podcast. Are you nervous, Mikkel? A bit. It's not my usual thing. But yeah, I'll try. Shouldn't I be the one who's nervous? I'm the one who has to answer all these tricky questions. <laughs> and this is a conversation that... Uh, uh, Mikael initiated when we were tabling next to each other at uh, it, uh, Stockholm International Comics Festival. Yeah, yes. yeah. Tell us a bit about that, guys. Yeah, I yeah, mean, what... we. Uh, I, I was sitting with the with the Scandinavian chapter of the Lee Falk Memorial Bengalis Explorers Club, uh, trying to get some new members, and yeah, we were placed next to Robert, which was. Great, of course, since we both have a phantom connection. And uh, yeah, we had quite a lot of time to talk uh, about the book since I, that was uh, actually when I was reading it. Uh, and uh, yeah, a lot of good discussions. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's always lovely to to be able to speak about the Phantom. And I think the book had just come out when we when we met. Um, so so, it, uh, I was very surprised and and uh, pleasantly surprised that you already started reading it. So so yeah. So let's start off with uh, after it's uh, cl quite close to now. You are at the Gothenburg, Gothenburg Book Fair. And yeah. got an award for the for the work. I guess it's mostly for the book, or is it yeah. like? So how was that? No. Oh, that was uh, uh, that was a, a great honor uh, to be recognized for your uh, work. Um, uh, nothing that you uh, 
that you uh, you know can possibly ever expect when when you know sitting there and spending so many hours days weeks months years uh, trying to uh, finish uh, a manuscript so so i was uh, always it was really a great honor and um uh, I was uh, the one who introduced me was Pidan Dushon that you've had as a guest here on the on the podcast as well. So so uh, it felt felt like a very good connection as well. Yeah, yeah. Now uh, he, he's he's a fun guy. Is he is he as funny in person as what he is with his with his work and his and his stories? No, no, not at all. He's he's the most boring person I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, <laughs> he is, he is, he's, he's a lovely guy. <laughs> and and for some context for for uh, those who are not Swedes, uh, this Adamson uh, award that's that's basically that's a big thing in Sweden. It's like the biggest uh, comic book prize we have. So it's a yeah, you should. It's it's a big thing. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I feel very, uh, I feel very, very honored, and I'm, I'm pleased. I mean, I mean, basically, I write predominantly, uh, you know, scientific articles for academic readers, which means that my, my books usually that don't deal with comics, they usually have like seven, seven readers or something like that, and uh, so I'm very pleasantly surprised because this is my first book in Swedish that it has been so widely read and discussed and and picked up in various mediums and so so forth so so uh, uh, i'm a bit uh, shocked and humbled by by um, the attention and praise that it has received so 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 yeah i'm, I'm very glad yeah yeah and that's a good thing you mentioned like in, in sweden it was like all the ma- major newspaper did articles about this book and i mean it's great for you, but it's also great for Phantom and that it's like that it gets more more eyes on it here in Sweden. So yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, hopefully uh, some of the people who've uh, read the book or read about the book or uh, consumed other medias that discusses it has uh, has uh, drawn their attention to the fact that that uh, the Phantom is still being published today and. Uh, Possibly, we'll have to ask Andreas and Jakob if if uh, they've seen any any impact on on uh, subscribe on sus- subscriptions. Yeah, that would be cool. Mm. Regarding that, do you read any of the modern Phantom uh, comic books that comes out, or is it mostly the old ones you are interested in? Uh, I do, but not very regularly, I have to admit. Uh, I've tried to uh, introduce, uh, for instance, my wife has a son who is 13, and I've tried to previously introduce him to the fandom uh, to not too much avail unfortunately but but i i um, on a occasionally read the later uh, the later uh, and current issues but i must admit that uh, my kind of i mean I, I mean my background is that i i used to read everything about the phantom that i could possibly get my hands on uh, as a kid and probably up to my mid-teens or something like that and Especially those, uh, I don't know if you re- remember, Mikael, but those uh, 
when the Phantom became a little bit more, how should I put it? When it was painted in darker shades during the mid nineties with uh, with uh, the election in Bengali and so on and so forth, those type of episodes with um, that were drawn by Hasselindal. Those were kind of my favorite parts, and I've always also, which um, been perhaps more fond of uh, a, a phantom written by people like Magnus Knutsson and Janne Lundström than by uh, Lee Falk. And I know that uh, by saying this, I probably said the most <laughs> controversial thing <laughs> on this podcast in uh, in decades, and. Um, <laughs> I assume that quite a few of the Australians' listeners will uh, stop listening now. <laughs> um, look, yeah, look, you're not the first person I've heard uh, admit that. I think Lee Fork, you know, yeah, he's, but he's not, you know, he made mistakes, he, and, and stuff like that. And um, from an Australian, I, you know, I love what Lee Fork did, but I also have uh, a deep love for what, the Swedes have added to the character, mm-hmm. um, like the, you know the continuity, the continu- continuity, the uh, adding of depth, and you know and stuff like that. So um, yeah, look, I'm sure you might have offended some, but I've offended many, and some of them still listen to us, so I wouldn't worry too much. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, good thing there's no Falkist in this uh, podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, shout out to Dan. That's the real reason why Dan wasn't involved is um, he didn't want any (laughs) Falkus. So uh, I got a question here. I didn't write write this, I think. Uh, So so the book is called uh, When the Phantom Became Swedish. So. What makes him Swedish or Australian or Indian? Excellent question. Uh, so, so uh, that's correct. The, the book is called "When the Phantom Become Became Swedish," and uh, the background then that I try to basically, I have a very simple question that I try to answer in this book, and that is how, what's the reason to why the Phantom has become so popular in Sweden, which may come across as a bit peculiar since it's an American creation about the white man living in, in, in an African jungle, more or less. Uh, and uh, uh, there's very little kind of connection to, uh, to Sweden in it. And at the same time, we need to take into account the fact that Phantom, uh, the comic book, had its kind of... Uh, um, its heydays in Sweden. It was a, uh, when it had its most, when most people read it was during the 1970s, uh, a period in Swedish history where uh, Sweden as a country also started to position itself as perhaps the most uh, anti racist and anti fascist country in the world. And this seems then to be a little bit of a contradiction at the same time, essence, we all know. And all listeners know that there has been quite a few of accusations against the Phantom mm. uh, for uh, reproducing a certain kind of colonialist worldview and so on and so, so forth. Uh, so uh, what I do in this book is I started to grapple with uh, and come to, to try to come to, to terms with uh, what is the reason then that the Phantom has become almost a kind of a Swedish hero. It's perhaps the closest thing we got to our own kind of 
you know, major comic book hero. Uh, I mean, when I grew up in Sweden during the 80s and 90s, I mean, we had the Phantoms, Im images of the Phantom on on products similar to the ways in which that if I go into a, an ordinary store today, I'll see things with uh, products with the Spider-Man on them or Batman and stuff like that, which included them. So the uh, you know, sweets, uh, I mean, uh, milk, yeah. and of course, the, then we had the Phantom World or Phantom Land in... Uh, in Eskilstuna, a theme park uh, devoted to the Phantom. So the answer to this then is that, uh, as we all know, that the Swedish creators that were later on named Team Phantom started to produce their own Phantom scripts and stories in the early 1970s. And the background to that is, of course, that the Phantom comic books uh, its its sales started to increase during the 1960s, uh, which meant that Semik uh, Press, the owner of the company or owner of the comic book, wanted to increase the publishing rate to uh, uh, every two weeks from a monthly print run, and also the fact that at, during the 60s in Sweden. The Phantom, but there was also a strong debate in the cultural section in the dailies about the content in uh, in uh, uh, comic books and children's literature. And uh, the Phantom had to um, uh, uh, was heavily criticized for for being a fascist and imperialist. I mean, this is also part of the kind of the how the political landscape during the 1960s started to gear towards a more leftist perspective and uh, um, so these Swedish creatures create creators there was a part of this kind of leftist movement they started to uh, uh, make some radical changes to the phantoms universe and what we can see in these episodes that they started to, started to produce during the 70s is that it's uh, the, the scripts are not only produced in Sweden, but in the actual scripts we see a kind of a heavy dose of Sweden in them, and especially issues, uh, political leanings, and so on and so forth that were uh, dominant during that period of time. So that's a kind of a short answer to uh, why the Phantom became Swedish at this point in history. Yeah, a great answer. I got like tons of follow-up questions on that. Uh, but yeah, uh, so so first off, basically now they are uh, since like five six years ago, Fru started making their own Phantom stories. Do you mm -hmm. think we could see like a book saying when the Phantom became Australian? Then, <laughs> if they put in lots of Australian politicians, uh, pol politics and agendas yeah i mean uh, i mean perhaps but uh, uh i have read too few uh, australian scripts to be able to comment on that uh, however uh, and um, this is of course always a little bit tricky to explain but uh, uh for scandinavian listeners predominantly and uh, for you and me Mika we are both kind of quite aware of that uh, 
the 1970s, the early 1970s and the late 1960s. I mean, they were very kind of uh, particular times in in uh, history with a, kind of a strong leaning towards uh, the left, where uh, a kind of a leftist perspective on ideology has had kind of conquered uh, the privilege to kind of define problems, with, which meant that they were able to provide kind of uh, were able to bring forward what they saw as the kind of key issues that needed to be addressed in society, and also, uh, in a sense, made all parties, regardless of their own political leanings from left to right, that they had to kind of kind of follow suit slightly in a sim, which is uh, similar to a sense that in from the 1980s, for instance, we saw a, a backlash where where kind of a more of a liberal agenda started to kind of conquer the same kind of privilege of being able to kind of define what are the major problems in society. And which is also something that we see perhaps even more strongly now and perhaps even more to the right as we've just had a new government elected uh, in Sweden. But I guess that's not perhaps very interesting to anyone but <laughs> Swedish listeners. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to quickly jump in. Um, in a minute or two, what are some, you know, what are some brief leanings that we did see in these stories? Like, um, could, could you just list a couple of, yep, just definitely. You know, for those who haven't listened to episode <laughs> one-on-one who haven't read your book, um, you know, just they might be curious if you could just give us a bit of a, a quick recap. Yeah, definitely. So what happens is that that uh, first of all, these Swedish episodes introduce the Phantom to a new set of villains. Uh, so uh, um, this is when the first for the first time when, for instance, the Stevens family appear. I don't know if the Stevens family are familiar to Australian readers. I think there might be one story where it mentions one, but but majority of them are fairly unknown. Fair enough. So the Stevens family are kind of an embodiment of the kind of colon- white colonial bourgeoisie in in uh, Bengali or Bangala. Uh, so so and what they do is that they uh, this family uh, they used to be or they are still. Uh, a kind of a, a major uh, land-owning family who uh, whose richness can be traced back to when Bangala was a colony, basically. So it's 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 a despite the fact that that Bengala is now a kind of a uh, democratic country, it's still this kind of white white uh, uh, colonial elite that still controls much of of the natural resources and land in the country in the swedish episodes uh, which is of course also a topic that's heavily discussed in swedish society at this time so the phantom has to deal with this kind of colonial this colonial elite and what he uh, and what he wants to do is to ensure that for instance natural resources are owned collectively uh, by the state, basically. And uh, a new thing then is that he doesn't necessarily ha- uses his fists or violence in the same manner. Rather, he tries to twist 
the arm of this these kind of uh, of these uh, elite of this elite in society to, to ensure that um, the fragile kind of uh, state uh, in a kind of a post-colonial nation state in Africa are able to to uh, uh, yeah, um, get control of these kind of natural resources. That's one example. Another yeah. is the fact that sorry, Mikkel. Yeah, I was just uh, chiming in that he basically uses the same methods as they do. He he make them sign contracts that they don't really want to do to to be able to yeah yeah that that was yeah. Please continue. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's that's what he, he does. Uh, another example is that, for instance, that they create Rodia, which the, uh, these creatures, uh, creators, uh, Janne Lundström, Magnus Knutsson, Ulf Granberg, uh, consider to be the, the kind of most radical initiative. Rodia uh, is this uh, small apartheid nation uh, that neighbors Bengali, mm. uh, which uh enables the phantom to start fighting against basically apartheid which is a huge topic at this point in 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 time in in swedish uh in in, in swedish uh, public debate uh we have several kind of prominent uh writers that that uh, you know, discusses their experience from South Africa and Rhodesia. Uh, the Swedish government start to collaborate heavily with these kind of liberation movements in Southern Africa and so on and so forth. We, 1968, protesters stop a, a, a match of tennis between Sweden and Rhodesia and so on and so forth. So it's a very heavy topic. And what happens is basically that the phantom uh, uh, starts to be involved as well. Uh, in order to to what he does is that he supplies weapons to to uh, a liberation movements that fights against the white elite in Rodia, and uh, he also helps them uh, make use of their weapons to uh, to uh, uh, destroy uh, important kind of uh, targets in in Rodia and so on so so forth. So so this is a kind of a very uh, very uh, shining examples and interesting here is also that they use Rodia uh, as a way to criticize Lee Folk because they, Janne Lundström says in the letter pages that uh, Lee Folk would never dare to, to do what we do here uh, amongst this to be a kind of example of how, uh, how much more progressive uh, uh, Swedish uh, and daring the Swedish editors and Swedish society is at that time in comparison to the US. Uh, another example is, of course, that these uh, that these uh, environmental themes are introduced as well into the Phantoms universe. Uh, he's starting to discuss uh, gender equality, which is part of Diana in the Jungle Patrol, that I think is familiar also to Australian readers. Should should be. Yeah. We've all got the we've all got the card game. So yeah, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> uh, another example is the, that that we mentioned earlier is the is the trade war, which is basically uh, the phantoms where the phantom helps uh, black peasants to uh, to protect their economic interests by teaching them the kind of the underpinning idea of a cooperative society. Which is uh, 
also uh, something that uh, the Swedish foreign aid at this time uh, uh, heavily promoted in various parts of Africa at the same time and so on and so forth. So there are several examples, but but we'll probably get back to those. Yeah, wow. So what's interesting is Rodia has actually found its way into the newspaper universe, for lack of a better term, um, yeah. and is still being used by uh, Tony DePaul now. So that's 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 a very good example of of that coming into the newspaper universe. So yeah, and they've also uh, been published in <clears throat> Swedish later on. Those by mm. Tony DePaul, uh, um, and uh, uh, I think it's 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 fascinating to see how um, these inventions are being kind of uh, incorporated into the Phantom Universe mm. later on. Although one could also at the same time say that it's perhaps l- less controversial in, uh, now than it was back in 1972 <laughs> and so so forth. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so, I've got a question. I hope you don't mind, Mikael. Is do we still have politicism in today's comic? I, and I guess this is a question for all of us. Can you see it in the comic today? Like the one, I think, one? yeah, yeah. If if yeah. if you think you can, because it'll be interesting. Like, because we're talking, you know, seventies. 80s here that's mm-hmm. you know some of us weren't even alive back then uh <laughs> so but it's just it's just curious to see whether you still think there's politicism injected in today's comic well i mean my uh, i think michael is in a better position to answer this one but i i just want to uh, clarify something and that is that sometimes I see a reaction when it comes to uh, comic books that you know people say that you know there shouldn't be uh, there shouldn't be any politics. There's no place in politics in uh, of politics in comics, and uh, that makes comic come across as a kind of a, a political kind of artifact, which I don't, which they aren't, of course. I mean, when when for instance, uh, Team Phantoman started to kind of speak about these issues, about making the Phantom kind of more of an anti-racist symbol or tackling uh, gender equality, of course, they inject a certain political view into the comic books, and perhaps they do it in a very, I should put it, in a very obvious fashion. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that, I mean, Lee Falk's Phantom scripts were, of course, also heavily politicized, but in another way, in that sense that what they did was that basically that they didn't agree with the position that Lee Falk, I mean, consciously or unconsciously, uh, positioned himself when he dealt with questions around gender in the Phantoms universe and they wanted to kind of do something else. The same thing with the kind of anti-racist position. I mean, Lee Falk, I mean, uh, gradually throughout the, the publishing history changed many things, of course, in, in the Phantoms universe and in keeping with the times and social mores, uh, gradually altered various parts of the phantom universe but that was of also of course a kind of a political position and perhaps he was more uh, he wasn't as as conscious about it as these uh, swedish script writers were but what they did but but you know, of course it was full of politics 
but in a in a different way. Uh, and what they did was that the Swedish ones was that they kind of uh, brought in another political perspective. Mm. Of course, I mean, for instance, as an example, then the uh, uh, folks constant use of these kind of tropes from colonial, the kind of colonial literature that he borrowed heavily from is, of course, very much a kind of a, a political statement in itself. Mm. Uh, but perhaps he just considered it as a way to kind of create fascinating and entertaining adventures. I mean, it could be just a kind of a uncon unconscious decision on his behalf, but it was still political. I mean, the Phantom has never been a kind of a neutral character. What do you think, Mikael? Do you think the politicism still in today's comic? I think it is, but it's at least in Sweden, it's it's very much in line with uh, what is the norm of political view. It's 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 a lot of easy points. I would say it's it it's seldom a moral dilemma. It's more of but but I also think like. I remember when reading the book and thinking of many of these stories, it's it could be just like some lines sometimes that 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 you take up that is like the political view, but the main story is, is the regular, oh, there's a poacher, I go uh, take care of him, uh, and then they say something, oh, they come here and uh, take... Uh, uh, take our yeah, land they, and our resources. Yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah. They, they, yeah exactly. It's, it doesn't have to be a lot in, in a story. And if you read it in a, uh, looking for the political uh, views, then you will find it. But maybe if you don't, you would just gloss over it. Hmm. Like, I think a big thing was this uh, when you had uh, Mikael Solover and with the, you talked about this... Uh, Golden Eagle story with the, yep. and from my understanding is that he never thought it would be a big thing that he he uh, he what's it called defends a lot of uh, uh, pride people and but the, the, there became this big thing in Sweden at least where they were like oh stop being. Uh, politics in, in Phantomen and that's that's the same thing like if you just say oh but he, he defends those in need doesn't matter yeah it, mm. you know it, it's there if you look for it and it might you might not see it if you don't look for it yeah you, you raised a good point there was a lot of because that's something that happened in you know our lifetime if you know what I mean so you know I was there when the phantom world stopped <laughs> in a sense because of there was a picture of him hitting a bad guy with a flag was what was the was there as much outcry back in the 70s when these other stories were going on like they like there was today when the phantom hit someone with a flag now i understand with social media and facebook everyone's now got a, a microphone and where back in the day you actually had to write a letter to be heard by the editors. But um, in, well, I guess it's probably for both of you, you've both got the comics, you've probably read the letters to the publishers and the editors. Was there much outcry from 
the regular Joe or the regular Mikel Reader? Uh, I I'm not I haven't read that many of those uh, letters, uh, so I don't know actually. Do you know Robert? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I mean, what happens during the 1970s? I mean, it's I mean, the general position is uh, quite often that that readers write in to complain uh, regarding what they dislike about the episodes. And it's usually the fact that they don't think that uh, the Phantom is uh, progressive enough, basically. Uh, and uh, uh, there are several examples of this. Sometimes it can only it can also be that uh, they don't like the ways in which uh, uh, an American uh, episode by Liv Falk, uh, how it has been translated, for instance, the fact that uh, uh, there's there may be something slightly sexist in uh, in uh, uh, Lee Folk's uh, episode, and uh, uh, they they critique or the, uh, the fact that the editor hasn't picked this up and kind of changed it. So I've included a few of these examples in the in the book as well. So you're saying that. There was a lot of, so you're saying that there was actually the readers that were saying to the editors, hang on, this is wrong. Why wasn't it changed? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, uh, wow. you, you, have, you, have, you, have, you have examples of, for instance, of Ulke Ramberg apologizing for that they should have kind of picked this up, of course. Um and and then at the same time, you have also have basically, I mean, during the early 70s, you have journalists who write to uh, who engage in a debate with uh, people like Janne Lundström and Magnus Knutsson, who are a little bit at the forefront for this kind of radical makeover of the Phantom. And they have conversations about the content in the Phantom. And this, this puts Janne Lundström and Magnus Knutsson in a little bit of a difficult position because, you know, what they've done is that they've made these kind of quite radical changes to the Phantom's universe, but for uh, several critics at the time, it's not enough. And the thing is, of course, that, you know, I mean, they can't do too much with uh, the Phantom because, I mean, you have to keep the kind of the basic premise, which is that, you know, he is this, this uh, you know, person living in, uh, in Bengali and so on and so forth, and uh, may still be a, what a little bit of a white savior uh which is a classical trope in colonial literature sure. but so 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 there you still have this debate but but Lundström and Knudsen, I mean they they uh, engage in these discussions and try to point out things that they've done with the character and so so forth so so it's it's quite a fruitful debate uh but you still have kind of conversations going on in uh, out, I mean, in in the newspapers uh, mm. where people uh, uh, write, for instance, uh, I also have several examples of this in the book where you have in the dailies where a critic can say, well, now the Phantom has done this and that, which is, of course, much more progressive. However, I would have liked the character to do, you not know, to be, to go even further and so on and so forth. Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, they're a little bit caught between a rock and a hard place, uh, mm. these script writers. Yeah. Um, 
Random question. This is from someone who is intrigued by the argument, I guess you could call it, between or the debate between the newspaper um, journalists and and Magnus and, and Jan. Is there like is there any chance of maybe getting an English translation of that? Because I reckon that will be really intriguing to read. Yeah, uh, I'll see what I <laughs> what I can do. <laughs> uh, uh, it's uh, I mean uh, the question is usually uh, around time, which is something yeah. that I have a little is... limited amount of. But but uh, <laughs> uh, I'll I'll see what I, uh, if it's not in a rush, I'll see what I can do. Uh, hmm. And um, I mean, I, I mean perhaps. Um, if through are listening, this could perhaps be a uh, an interesting content for a kind of an introduction or something like that. If they want to do, a, uh, I don't know, a comic that includes a, a few of these episodes. Um, yeah, it's mind-boggling to be able to. It'll be mind-boggling to be able to. Um... Yeah, to be able to read it and and, and that yeah, and that I mean, of course, it it adds some you know an additional mm. dimension, of course. Yeah, so 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 yeah, this is a very interesting kind of source material as well. Uh, yeah. Um, to, uh, but having said that, a lot of these kind of letter pages in the Phantom during the nineteen seventies, as you said earlier, that was before social media. Mm. So these kind of letter pages, they are also a kind of a, a certain kind of. Uh, historic version of social media you know where people just you know write about their favorite food and uh you know uh why this or that pop band are good or bad and you know whatever yeah Not, lots of records also i i could make yeah. uh eat a sandwich that was 10 loaves high or something <laughs> yeah yeah exactly quite exactly. weird yeah there's a certain type of people when when you talk about being into the phantom that basically has this view maybe haven't haven't even read the phantom or they have read a little bit and they have this view of the white savior and yeah i feel like it has changed over the years to become something different but i mean is is there a way to really like like you were saying how how much can you change without it being something else? And can we ever do something to, to point that he's not a white savior anymore? That's a really tricky, large question. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I think you're uh, I think you're uh, you're right in the sense that I mean there are uh, I mean for instance uh, there's a British professor called Will Brooker who who researches popular culture who did a dissertation about the Batman. And what's interesting about his dissertation, I think, is that what he tries to you know grapple with or come to terms with is that uh, uh, how many Batman are there? Uh, because I mean, given the fact that the Batman uh, has had so many different writers and artists and creators and you know, kind of incarnations and you know during his long history i mean the, it's it's very hard to pinpoint according to brooker who is the kind of who is batman and perhaps it's the same thing with with the phantom you know there's been so many incarnations of the phantom he's written by so many different people and so on and so forth so i presume that for instance tony de paul may have a 
slightly different understanding of who the phantom is than, uh, let's say, uh, Pida Andersson or Andreas Eriksson and so on and so forth. And perhaps their phantom is a little bit different from Lee Folks and uh, Janne Lundström's kind of understanding of the phantom. Mm. So, so uh, and of course, I mean, uh, perhaps there's a new phantom for every era and um, and uh, uh, which means that, that uh, today's phantom uh, presumably, and from what I've seen, has very little to do with uh, the phantom uh, from uh, dating back to the 1950s where when perhaps the kind of this white savior idea was very kind of striking um, in uh, at least Lee Folk's uh, uh, writing. And I think that that's a very good uh, good point uh, and the compare comparison to like Batman or Spider-Man one all all those uh, DC and Marvel heroes they have real reboots like They say now the universe stops and we start over and they do all the things again, but in a slightly mm-hmm. different ways. The Phantom never has that. It is yeah. it is basically the same as what is it, 87, 86 years ago, and it's just ongoing. And as you say, there has been very much changes. If you look at a comic from the 50s and one now, you've wouldn't see that many similarities, but there hasn't been like an official, oh, let's skip everything that's happened and we start over and just tell it the way we want to. Uh, yeah. And I think that that might be a reason why it's hard to make the Phantom popular. There's just so much background to get into. And some of it is like, yeah, you should you should focus on this part of the stories and this you can skip. And then you should focus instead of like a reboot and doing all the important things again. Uh, yeah, yeah that, that was a sidetrack. It wasn't, I, I hadn't do anything with this white savior thing, but yeah, mm. I needed to get it out of my system. Because <laughs> the thing I have with the white savior is I reckon it's probably one of the main reasons why we have not seen a new movie or, or TV shows you know, type of thing. Obviously, it's not DC, Marvel, so there's not as much money behind it. But I look at something like, say, even Tarzan, you know, like there was a new Tarzan movie that was recently announced that was going to happen. And every second article about Tarzan was about the white saviour complex and, and you know, how they're going to battle that and stuff like that. And I think sometimes especially with social media, they kind of go, oh, yeah, let's do a fandom. Oh, no, I could just see what the news report, news articles are going to be, the reports are. Let's, let's just in, put it back in the in the too hard basket. So I was just curious on if if you had the silver bullet to be able to conquer the white saviour problem. Uh, <laughs> that's a really, really tough question to answer because it's... It, it's um... Uh, it's it's it's. Um, I think it it will be inevitable, of course, that uh, those type of discussions will resurface, uh, similar to uh, the ways in which they resurface every time there's a a new Tarzan movie, and perhaps for good reason. Uh, however, 
as uh, we've uh, discussed here today, perhaps there are so many incarnations of of the Phantom. So, I mean, you could also, um, you could perhaps also make the case that a new uh, the Phantom movie will, of course, have a, a kind of a, uh, kind of a, sm- a certain shade of, of white savior, but it can also be uh, uh, a phantom that uh, uh, addresses questions of uh, uh, pollution, uh, racism, uh, gender discrimination, and so on and so forth. I mean, there are so many kind of uh, issues that the phantom ha- has dealt with in a in a uh, way that it's much more progressive than you are than you're able to find in kind of in other comic books of the same period, for instance. I mean, if you if you compare the content of the Phantom comics that uh, or the storylines produced by, for instance, Team Phantom and then predominantly Marius Knudsen and Janne Lundström, it, it's it's so much more progressive than what you find in other examples of kind of new left ideology as kind of their that run of uh, Green Lantern and uh, Green Arrow, which is kind of usually praised as kind of a, a great example of, of, of how how comic book heroes start to deal with questions of, of with more kind of social relevance. And I think that, that the Phantom is is uh, uh, miles ahead of uh, of that mm. title, but less recognized, perhaps simply because of the fact that uh, it, it's the Phantom. It doesn't have the same kind of how should I put it global appeal as 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 uh, a comic book uh, uh, produced by DC Comics at the same mm. time i mean uh, this is also the fact uh, another fact is of course that the green arrow and green lantern sold uh, very poorly which is the reason why they canceled it quite soon it's just been kind of a, a narrative around it which has been created later on uh, about uh, about how uh, popular that storyline actually was meanwhile yeah, the Phantom uh, sold at least in Sweden in kind of uh, uh, incredible uh, volumes uh, at that period in time. Yeah, I I really find it interesting when you're talking about when you're comparing Magnus, Ulf, and Jan to Lee Fork about how more progressive they were because what what I find interesting is when you're talking to especially Americans who don't know so much about the Swedish influence when they're comparing, say, Lee Fork to his US counterparts, they talk about how well progressed Lee Fork was compared to them. But then, you know, in talking to you, you're then comparing Lee Fork to these guys. And then it's, it, I just, I just find it very interesting about. You know, like, because yeah, a lot of people see Lee Fork as progressive, but you, you know, from a, a Swedish point of view, from that time, he wasn't actually progressive at all. It's it's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, uh, 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 Janne Lundström and Magnus Knutsson, when I interviewed them, they told me uh, that they uh, were a little bit nervous when uh, Lee Fork flew in to Stockholm uh, <laughs> uh, 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 for a visit early in 1970s and they went out for dinner and uh, Janne and Magnus then had this idea that they were going to tell Lee Folk about you know, their plans 
for his creation. And uh, according to both of them, Le Folk was very positive uh, oh, wow. uh, uh, about their uh, about their initiatives to have Prince of the Phantom fighting against uh, against apartheid and so on and so forth. So, so they both kind of consider him to be, you know, uh, you know, very much of a liberal on a kind of uh, mm. on the American political political scale. Um, uh, so, so, and also, although Princess Jenny Lundström have kind of criticized uh, uh, Fogg for not being as progressive, he has also kind of cautioned his critique by saying that, you know, the, the reason to this could, of course, also be that. He was scared that readers back in the U.S. would stop reading the the the, the Phantom if he uh, if he uh, included too many kind of sensitive topics. I mean, we need to take in consideration the fact that, uh, for instance, apartheid uh, was a sensitive issue, given the fact that that uh, uh, I mean, legal rights between blacks and whites in southern parts of the United States at that period of time was 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 something very recent so so mm. so I mean you know I think it's important also to take into the the kind of the kind of political landscape in which you know these yeah. various scriptwriters operated in yeah there's a there's a famous story about in when Lee Falk was doing a play one of the leads was was african-american and mm -hmm. they were at a restaurant and they and the restaurant wouldn't serve uh one of the african-american um actors and so he basically got up took everyone and then went to another restaurant um so you know i i it's yeah it's um so you, you hear stories like that when compared to u.s creators he was ahead of his time that's and then with that story with magnus and Jan, that's um that, that you know it, it kind of adds to that to that belief yeah of course yeah, at the same time um i i think that lee folk i mean did a himself a little bit of a disfavor by being so sensitive about this 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 topic that he was never able to kind of admit that you know what so many other people actually saw in his, uh, predominantly in his early manuscripts about the kind of the, about this kind of white savior and the the kind of the racist dimensions of them. Uh, I think that if he would have just you know come clean about it and said that you know I'm, I was a product of my time, uh, now I can see more clearly, and I like to kind of. Uh, Know, uh, um, to readdress this and so on and so forth. Uh, um, I mean, I, I think that would have put them in a better position than um, mm. simply constantly trying to to uh, to. Uh, I mean, his 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 uh, his uh, uh, his admittance has only been to uh, that storyline about uh, uh, the phantom goes to war. Exactly about yep. uh, the Japanese. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. there has been an interview where he's regretted being so, I guess, yeah. racist in that yeah. story. Yeah, so, and I mean, yeah. e even though he doesn't say anything about the the other things, I mean, you could clearly see change in the 60s, 70s in in Lee Fox stories 
as well. Like, yeah, he exactly. made it a republic. He made a black president, a black uh, leader of uh, Jungle Patrol. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, he tried to do it better, even though he didn't cool. maybe admit of doing it bad before. Exactly. I, uh, I mean, I mean, and that's very apparent. All these changes that he he does, and also, for instance, to make uh, Bengali uh, to transform Bengali into a, a, a post-colonial nation um, during the 1960s, as these kind of uh, developments were occurring outside the comic pages as well. I mean, that should, that's I think that's a very good proof of the fact that he was trying to to make these kind of uh, developments in line with what was going on outside the uh, um, what's going on at the same time in in in, in various parts of Africa mm. and re mm. regarding to that with that the Swedes was uh, or is or was more progressive what how come we never changed the name of Bengali and uh, Morristown to Bengala and Mavitan as they did in in the rest of the world yeah uh, that's a very good question i think you i think you know the answer to that one better than i because it's you know it's been a kind of uh i remember when i read the phantom as a kid there was always kind of questions about about that uh, as well i don't remember when this was changed in uh the american scripts do you do you do you no I, I believe, and this is actually because I've had this conversation with someone, might have even yeah. been you, Mikael. Um, I believe it was the late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. Um, and from what I remember, I might misremember, but what I remember was Ulf Granberg basically saying that it was too, uh, too well known in established or they, yeah yeah too well established that they didn't want to change it but yeah i still wanted to throw the, out the question <laughs> i think it's a very good example and uh, i don't know if you remember this Mikael, but um in the book i also show uh, i mean other examples of where uh where uh the swedish scriptwriters are perhaps less uh successful with with uh, uh, trying to to make kind of a progressive statement in the Phantoms universe, I mean there are also examples when they when they uh, fall into the same trap that I that both I and them criticize Lee Falk for. Uh, you know the the kind of use of uh, these slightly colonial tropes. I mean there are there are a few episodes when the Swedish scriptwriters, including for instance Janne Lundström, also kind of uh, uh, fall back on these. So so um it's do you have examples that you can quickly tell us? Top of your uh, head? I can't remember of the storylines in uh, I can't remember the storylines in in um the name of them in Swedish which makes it harder to translate them into uh, to English, but I show, for instance, an example where uh, uh, the Phantom has to rescue a woman from a from a, a, a cannibal's pot, and then there's also another example of uh, uh, of um, where uh, uh, I can't, it's it's from an early episode from the early 1970s when the Phantom. Uh, 
uh let's oh i can't remember which one it is it's the one do you remember michael you uh, probably read it more recently than i did but it's one of the episodes where where uh, it's called i think it's called the water test in uh in english it's it's an episode where uh the phantom for some reason has to uh uh uh, save a certain person in one of these uh, uh, in a neighboring country and uh, 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 by and he what he has to do then is to uh, replace I, I can't I, I shouldn't say too much I have to uh, double check the episode again but uh, this could be part of the uh, Patreon exclusive part of the interview where uh, I, I provide some <laughs> information about uh, this uh, particular uh, episode. But at, so I'm say just, at the same time, I'm just looking uh, at um, Phantom Wiki. There was yeah. a story in Phantom in 26, 1970 by um, Jan Landstrom and Bertel Williamson called The yeah. Water Test. But I'm not sure yeah, if that's. That's the one that I was thinking about, and I'll uh, mm. I'll uh, I'll have to. Uh, that hasn't yet been published um, in in Australia. I don't think there's uh, any reason to publish it either. I, I'm just um, <laughs> I I only wanted to uh, um, to bring uh, up an example of that as all of us, even though, you know, you have certain kind of a, a political leaning, a commitment. I mean, it's very difficult to, to, to be, I mean, when you produce so many storylines that, I mm. mean, there are always these kind of traps that you fall into. And, uh, uh I wanted just to explain the or point to the fact that this, of course, also kind of happens to these, I mean, uh, Swedish script writers that they, I mean, they are, uh, there are certain kind of themes and tropes that they that 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 of course can be criticized for 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 kind of uh, for being uh, uh, less progressive. Uh, let's put it that way. Uh, at the same time, as, as a, sorry, sorry, I think you took up as an example with the Princess Sin story with the yeah, could you, could you, notation. Could you so. show us that that image again, sir? <laughs> oh, did you just close it? I was just pinning you on the on the chat, so everyone, if you're on YouTube, you'd be able to see it. Yeah, yeah something like that. Uh, okay. The exploitation of women and yeah, that's. I mean, uh, that's uh, that's of course um, uh, another good example, and that is. I mean, th th but that follows the kind of the, uh, a broader logic in society, and that is that uh, that, uh, for instance, in one of these kind of most influential kind of uh, kind of political texts at the time, um, uh, which is called a new left, basically, which kind of gives away. Uh, I mean, what's at stake here? These kind of very prominent uh, authors who are, um, you know. You know, who, who makes the perhaps most the most ambitious effort to launch the new left in a in a Swe in, in a Swedish context? I mean, they say already in the late sixties that when it comes to uh, to issues regarding gender equality, much has already been done. So we have to focus on you know put our attention to other issues. 
which is of course something that these kind of uh, women's movements and so on and so forth during the 1970s are heavily critical of. Uh, so, and Magnus Knudsson, when he does this storyline, Diana in the Jungle Patrol, he's, he's, he said himself that he was inspired by the message of these uh, feminist movements at the time. However, I mean, storylines that discusses issues around kind of anti-racism or, or uh, kind of colonial legacies in, in uh, the Phantom's world, uh, part of the world, or... Uh, or where the phantom goes up against kind of these kind of uh, uh, the colonial elite and multinational companies and so on and so forth. I mean, they are in terms of quantitatives. I mean, there are plenty of these type of episodes, but when it comes to storylines that deals with kind of gender equality, it's more or less only Diana in the Jungle Patrol. There are very few. And just a few years later, when we start to approach 19, early 1980s, we see that 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 you know the introductions of these type of more kind of how shall I put it less progressive female examples such as this new villain Princess Sin whose uh, how shall I put it whose uh, tactic is to try and uh, seduce the Phantom by constantly removing her clothes every time she. Uh, uh, she sees the, the phantom as, and I think uh, uh, I don't have to uh, go into details for our readers about how uh, about how uh, problematic this is for a comic book done. That uh, if it's mm. really if it's serious about questions of gender equality. So it's worth noting that that storyline has recently been um, printed in Australia, including in a trade paperback with mm -hmm. uh, a new sequel and prequel story as well. Right. So, um, yeah. I think there's another one. Um, there's another character. Is it Vista Roberta? Or Ro Vista Ro Ribby. Yeah, she seems to be kind of like the... Oh, what's the best... You know, kind of like a, a real strong female lead who who's, you know, like a bad person, similar, you know, kind of like a, a Sala type of, you know, Sala, you know, lady like pirates type of um, version as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think they did a good storyline with uh, with uh, Miss Mist. That's yep. a strong female lead that doesn't uh, use her sexuality and yeah i really like that storyline has there been any stories i guess in both this, this is a question from an australian to both of you is there any stories from this era touching upon these themes that through have not yet published that in your opinions they should publish that's super hard. I mean, <laughs> it's hard to know everything you have uh, published and all. But but I remember, like, before this, you had a reading list, right? And it was, like, missing half of the stories mm. or something like that. But but you have, uh, or you, I mean, Fru has taken a lot of these old ones and published them lately. Yes. And, I mean, I guess they have to look at the sales of those comic books if they want to. I mean, I think there's a lot more they can take from if they want. 
Yeah. And like, for instance, you know, on the last podcast, we talked about the slaves, uh, the trade war. Um, I think there was one or two more. Oh, the Dead River, I think it was as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so like that were key ones, I guess, key introduced, because that was when we were first introduced to Rhodia, when we were first introduced to the RLA, the Rhodian Liberation Army. Um, you know, we've got the, the central theme about the the trading post becoming a, a community or a communal trading post. I was just curious if there's any other key stories like that that we have missed so far. I know uh, that's a question without notice, so. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I mean, I think those that you, I mean, those storylines that we discussed a couple of years ago when I was, um, uh, when we last uh, met, I think they give, um, I mean, they're a very good kind of introduction to the broader themes uh, mm. that 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 are uh, that are uh, central to uh, Team Phantomans universe at this point in time. Uh, then, of course, I I would have to kind of recheck the list of all the episodes that I uh, yeah. provided you with uh, to see um, which ones could be of 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 interest. And but it's I mean it, I mean there I think there are two. Um, I mean, there are two things to keep in mind. I mean, one is that, for instance, a, a, an episode uh, such as the trade war uh, about this kind of cooperative society. I mean, I, I, I mean, Janne Lundström is 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 my kind of favorite. Is one of my kind of all time favorites, not only for what he did with with the Phantom, but also with Johan Wilde and so on and so forth. So I, I hold him in very high esteem. But I wouldn't say that the trade war is necessarily, how should you put it, his best work, because it's 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 a mm. it's it's an adventure that tries to kind of promote an idea rather than perhaps being kind of uh, uh, very entertaining. So I uh, I mean so I think that for an Australian reader it must come across as a little bit of a a, a little bit of an. Uh, peculiar <laughs> reading because yeah. it's 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 so much a product of its time i mean it's yeah. it, it's i mean it, it it's a little bit of a comic book version of uh of you know a newspaper article or or a debate that is ongoing at that period of time in swedish history kind of. and mm. uh, if you don't have that context it must be uh, i mean a, a, a very a little bit of a dull reading, yeah, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, so, so I mean, it. I mean, I, I mean, if you want to do that, I mean, when it comes to these episodes, perhaps one has to check out kind of the kind of general entertainment value and the general quality, but then also perhaps the subtext of, uh, I mean, how kind of representative are these for this period in in history? So, for instance, uh, perhaps. Uh, I mean, I think Mikkel is right. We probably need to look at their, their, um, their how much they've sold these these comics. But uh, I mean, uh, if you if you put them together in one comic book, for instance, or if I, or uh, collect a few of them, it could be, of course, a very kind of interesting text, both uh, uh, to read as 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 entertainment but also to get for an australian reader you know forget a broader understanding of 
where does the Swedish scripts come from, basically. And also, uh, I find them to be really interesting to read in relation to uh, uh, to uh, other comic book heroes that we mentioned earlier from Marvel and DC to actually see how I mean, how progressive a comic book uh, character can be. Um, so, yeah. Mm. Sorry for that long. No, <laughs> no, no. It's, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. Um, I guess a follow-up question is we talked about them being published by free. Have these stories been published much by Phantom Man? Mikkel, you're probably best to answer that one. Yeah, uh, I mean... I remember mo most prominent is that they had this uh, when the Phantom and Kronika was still a thing. They had this that called the 70s and they had one for mm -hmm. Ulf and they had one for Janna, I think. And it's like, but that is quite a few years ago. And like in the regular comic book, a few years ago, they started doing like from the beginning almost with with all the Öskaneralp and all the Bertil Wilhelmsson stories, but they have not really come to the to those in yeah. a long I, I don't think most of them has ever been re reprinted more mm. than in the Kronika for like 15 years ago or something. Yeah, now I guess like some of the stories like uh, Diana and the Jungle Patrol, that's that probably still stands up as a story that could be read today you know um like it's actually a decent story it's yeah. um you know and that that one was actually uh, reprinted last year or the year before right uh year, yeah 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 and then also yeah. a couple of years before for um through as well so um and then of course uh with your card game as well Mikel. yeah i think that was why they re Reprinted it now, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think the Dead River was was republished uh, like ten years ago or something like that in yeah, uh, in color. Like yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 just interesting. Um, I what look, I'm sure I'm sure our listeners are as well, but I can only speak for myself. But I find it really interesting learning about more about the culture of the Swedes back in the 70s and how that drove the direction of where the phantom was um and then you know i found it interesting the story about magnus and jan meeting lee fork um lee fork being happy with the direction that they were taking um and then also how the readers were holding the editors accountable as well that's it's, it's just yeah it's really fascinating um i've i've learned a lot and um yeah I, i've really enjoyed it um um yeah michael you got any other questions you wanted to ask or anything else it has been a pleasure but uh, no more questions uh robert is there is there anything that we might have missed or any points you wouldn't mind that you wanted to discuss before we wrap up? Uh, I don't, I don't think so. I think we've we've touched upon um, a few of the of the um, key issues here, and and uh, I'm certain that that 
uh, those listeners who've listened to a previous podcast that I've been part of, but also those with, you know, Swedish, uh, uh, I mean, uh, w- w- with Swedish scriptwriters and editors are, you know, slightly uh, uh, familiar with with uh, what we what we've touched mm. upon here today. So, so I hope hopefully they've enjoyed it and. Uh, my apologies that the book is only available in uh, in Swedish. No worries. Uh, well, the other book is in English, um, yep. which was your first one. Now, um, we'll have links on people on how people can buy it, um, which I'm assuming is via website. So we'll get those off you, Robert, so we can include those in the show notes and in the article, along with the list of stories that you reference um as well uh and then we'll also put links to our podcast interview with magnus um uh i'm just trying to think who else we talked about our past podcast with you i think from memory leonard moberg talks a lot about some of the stuff that we've talked about as well so we'll include a link to that as well um haven't been able to get uh uh jan lundstrom on the podcast yet so um, hopefully we can get have him you, on as well. Have, I was just going to uh, suggest that. Have you uh, have you been in contact with him? Um, I think it was Mikel that tried doing it for us. Was it you, Mikel? No. No. Um, but I'd love to be able to get him on. So um, if you've got any pull in that area, Robert, um, we'd love well, to. Well, I, I I mean I I met him uh, I met him uh, when was it? Uh, just a few days ago. Uh, we oh, had okay. uh, lunch because uh, I was in Malmö for a conference, and uh, I mean, Janne Lundström is a lovely guy, and we were discussing. Um, uh, I mean, I'm very glad that he's 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 very fond of the book, and uh, we were also discussing that the uh, the possibility that because I do have, I've done a few book talks about the book, uh, and whenever. Um, down south, that he he uh, he was going to. Uh, the plan is that he will be present during those oh, book wow. talks. That we can have a dialogue uh, or a chat about about the book together. I mean, he is you know living history. Uh, so yes. so, uh, but yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll uh, put in a good word for you for you too, uh, and uh, hopefully I'll I'll be able to uh, uh, convince him. But uh, let's do. We can do that uh, off air. Yeah, no, that would be amazing. Um, so thank you, Mikael. Thank you for running the podcast today. I hope you, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, did a good, great job, uh, Robert. Thank you for um, joining us, uh, listeners. Thank you for joining us as well. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I hope that was fascinating for you. That you learned something new about the history of the character. Um, that from Sweden, but that has actually permeated and influenced the Phantom in a whole. We talked about it like with Rhodia, uh, which is now in, for instance, that creation, which was a, a reflection of the times and of a certain country or two back in those days has actually become mainstream across all Phantom universes, for the lack of a better term. Um, a reminder note that uh, we have a signed book by Robert, which will be our Christmas Patreon. Um, hang on, quickly, Mikel, show us again. There it is. There. Can I? Can I? Uh, 
can I throw in uh, an additional copy then of the book to uh, what should we say the first new Patreon subscriber or something like that? Okay. Yes. All right. There you go. So Robert Aman's also going to throw in a um, a signed book for our next Patreon sign up. So once this podcast is released, the first person who signs up. We'll get a free copy of that um, and we'll get that shipped off to you free of charge as well. So thank you for that. Robert. Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll put it, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll post it myself. Uh, unfortunately though, I mean, the book is in, in Swedish, but it contains a lot of images at least. Uh, yeah, so, so uh, yeah, let's uh, inform that uh, first new Patreon subscriber that if, if they want the book, please forward their, uh, their address. To where it's that's, going to be shipped, and I'll get it done amazing. as soon as possible. That sounds amazing. Thank you for that. So, if you have any ideas or of creators or ideas for podcasts that you would like to see interviewed or touched upon, uh, please contact us. You can contact us on our website, which is chroniclechamber.com, our email address, which is chroniclechamber at gmail.com. If you want to be notified of new articles, ensure you follow us either on our social media platforms, which is Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can sign up with your email address on our website and you'll be emailed as soon as something new is posted on our website, which includes reviews from comics from around the world, podcasts, and latest uh, news as well. You can subscribe to us via YouTube or through your favourite podcast app, including iTunes and Spotify. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something new. Um, from myself, thank you, happy fans of me. Mikkel, Robert, you guys are legends. Thank you, happy fans of me. Happy fans of me. Happy fans of me.